Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 11th of November 2023. This is Andrew and your other readers are Jane, Graham and Jean. The editor this week is Mary. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless stated otherwise. This week the headlines are Splash the Cash, Olympian welcomes cash boost for swimming pools, Police officer is a credit to the force, and New Cafe opens doors. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hello, my name is Jane. Olympian and Commonwealth Games swimmer Mark Foster has welcomed a cash boost for Hertfordshire swimming pools worth more than 310000 The swimmer joined Under Secretary of State for sport, Stuart Andrew at a Hoddesdon Leisure Centre to launch the package, which the government has said will help keep sports facilities open. The money, which will go towards leisure centres in Hoddesdon, Hemel Hempstead and Berkhamsted, is part of a larger £60 million fund, which operators can spend on energy, maintenance and pool chemical costs. England's national swimming body has previously warned financial pressures on local councils, increased costs and the age of some pools mean many facilities face an uncertain future. According to Swim England, more than 1,000 publicly accessible pools have shut since 2010 and around 1,500 have been open for more than 40 years and are coming to the end of their shelf life. Speaking at the John Warner Sports Centre, Mr Foster said, Pools are used by an awful lot of people, from older generations to young people learning to swim, to competitive swimming club members. Hello, I'm Graham. Continuing on, swimming is a gateway into other sports. Being active and moving is a thing that bodies are supposed to do, especially for people who are not so mobile on land. When you're in the water, you are buoyant and the feeling of gravity gets taken away. If you're able to move and exercise, that releases endorphins and makes you feel good. Everyone needs to learn to swim and it's a life skill. Mr Foster added, the bottom line is that investment is a step in the right direction. Could there be more of an investment? Yes. But that's the same with everything. The minister visiting a pool, seeing how much it is used and looking at the running costs behind them is a good thing so the government can look at how these centres can be self-sufficient. Andrew Ricks runs an active hearts swim and socialise session for people who struggle with their mobility who refer to his organisation by GP. Active Hearts runs a series of programmes throughout Broxbourne, Hartsmere and Watford. He said, we've seen a lot of participants who have been in the programme for a number of years reducing their dose of medication. We've seen people who might have been using a walking stick, but after the swim sessions are now quite mobile. This programme is helping longer term to help people with their physical health. This all relies on funding, so having funding in place to continue the operation of the swimming pool is crucial. Hemel Hempstead Ledger Centre will receive £74,765 through the programme with £47,466 for Berkhamsted Leisure Centre. Hello, this is Jean. Decorum Borough Council has announced that three new electric car charging points are available to use in Hemel Hempstead. A new charging station has opened in the Old Town High Street as part of the Council's larger rollout. Decorum Borough Council has promised to deliver more electric vehicle charging points throughout the area. Three new rapid 60 kilowatt Osprey EVCPs are now live in the car park, with installation work soon to be completed in Wood Lane End Car Park, Leverstock Green Shopping Parade and Hicks Road Car Park in Mark Yate. A range of different EVCPs from fast to ultra rapid are on the way at many other sites in Decorum, the council adds. It will be providing more information on the next charging points when the decisions are finalised and works are planned. Government funding of £415,360 is being used to partially fund the rollout.
Councillor Adrian England said, these EV rapid chargers provide an opportunity to get quick charge from 20% to 80% in around 30 minutes, depending on your car, combined with a coffee in the high street or a similarly recharging walk in Gadebridge Park. We hope the new EVCPs will encourage more drivers to have confidence in switching to electric vehicles as we work towards making decorum net zero before 2050. Decorum Borough Council is advising residents to use ZapMap to check where charging points are active. Within the Council is Decorum Climate Action Network which residents can express an interest in supporting or joining online. Company Osprey Charging Network is funding and running the project. Decorum Borough Council has developed an electric vehicle strategy linked to government plans to stop selling new petrol and diesel vehicles by 2035. In total, the Council hopes to open 104 charging points across 18 car parks in the borough. Decorum Borough Council claims to make the area carbon neutral by 2050. It is hoped, once the charging point rollout is completed, that Hertfordshire will move into the top 20 counties when it comes to the number of available charging points. A new cafe has opened in Markyate, serving up cakes and sandwiches in the village. The eatery, called Nook, at 40A High Street, is run by former marketing and sales consultant Helen Renvoys. The 45-year-old and her partner, Dylan May, began their journey at the cafe in July and were thrilled to open its doors on Friday, October the 27th. Helen said, It was complete renovation. We ripped out the whole of the back and had a new kitchen, a new bathroom, completely decorated it all and the interiors. She decided to open Nook after noticing an old ale pub had been put on the market. She explained, We thought that it would be lovely to have somewhere for families to go. We don't really have anywhere to go apart from the pub. It's somewhere to go to after school to have a hot dog or jacket potato. Home workers are invited to take a seat and work from Nook, which has Wi-Fi for customers. Helen explained, It's a cosy, relaxed, friendly atmosphere. It's got a real community feel. The staff have been amazing, just so welcoming. We certainly serve at the table if we have the time and capacity. Helen has tried her best, as she says, to hire from the area, with her employees coming from a two-mile radius of the cafe. While the opening times are subject to change, currently Nook is closed on Wednesdays, but is open every other day between 9am and 5pm. On Sunday, the cafe closes at 3pm. The Council is calling on decorum residents to help shape the future of the borough. Residents can now comment on Decorum Borough Council's revised draft local plan, which aims to shape the future of the borough up until 2040. Residents, those with a business based in the borough, and even regular visitors can share their views in the consultation on the revised strategy for growth, which will influence the creation of the new Decorum local plan between 2024 to 2040. The plan aims to ensure Decorum is a good place to live and grow up, as well as thriving as a hub for business and industry. This includes the delivery of new homes, jobs and investment across the borough, planning for infrastructure such as schools, transport and health facilities, protecting and providing parks and green spaces and responding to the challenges of climate change. It will also provide the policies to be considered when decisions are made on planning applications. The consultation will take place online either through the Council's new interactive platform Let's Talk Decorum, which is at letstalk.decorum.gov.uk forward slash in person at local events and by post ending on Monday, December the 11th. Feedback will be considered in December and then a summary consultation report will be compiled for spring. A pre-submission version of the local plan will be published in October in time for formal submission by mid-2025. 
Councillor Sharon Wilkie, Decorum Borough Council's portfolio holder for place, said, It is so important that as many of our residents and businesses as possible have their say as part of this consultation, as their views will help to shape plans for the borough for many years to come. Decorum is a wonderful place to live, a fantastic area for families to call home and visit, with incredibly diverse towns and villages, and it is an important location for business. The feedback we receive from this consultation is vital to ensure that decorum can keep flourishing and that the right decisions on housing and infrastructure will be made, while we make absolutely sure that our natural environment is protected and of course that sustainability and the challenges of climate change are top priorities. In answer to comments on maximisation of housing on brownfield sites, the Council has set out new opportunities to regenerate Hemel Hempstead's town centre and other areas, as well as the removal of 12 sites shown for housing in the Greenbelt due to concerns over its loss. A police officer serving in Hemel Hempstead was one of the winners of the Hertfordshire Constabulary's Chief Constables Awards. PC Jake Smith from the Decorum Intervention Team was celebrated for his ability to coach up colleagues and support bereaved families. PC Smith was one of many members of Hertfordshire Constabulary that was championed at the Chief Constables Awards at Twinbury Hotel in Welling on Wednesday, November the 1st. Chief Constable Charlie Hall was joined by Police and Crime Commissioner David Lloyd, the High Sheriff of Hertfordshire, Liz Green, Lord Lieutenant of Hertfordshire, Robert Voss, along with Deputy Chief Fire Officer Andy Hopcraft from Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service. Chief Constable Hall said, I am delighted that we have had a record number of nominations for awards this evening. Almost 150 colleagues were nominated across 14 separate awards categories, with a total of 29 finalists. I say to all of you who are here for awards tonight, the fact you have made it here means you are winners regardless of whether you receive the final award on stage tonight or are a runner-up. You should feel very proud of what you've achieved to be here this evening. PC Smith has been a police officer constable for four years following on from previously working as a PCSO in decorum. He has been credited by the police force for his energy and enthusiasm which has been described as second to none. PC Smith was also credited for his attention to detail and standard of work. Hertfordshire Constabulary says he is hard-working, diligent and committed. The police force adds, Jake regularly coaches new officers dedicating a lot of time and effort to each colleague to get them to independent patrol. He puts in extra hours, takes on extra workload and deals with each incident in a way that new officers can learn and progress their knowledge. Since the beginning of 2022, Jake has been awarded a Royal Humane Society Award, Head of Department Commendation, a Good Work Minute and was the Frank Mason Award 2023 runner-up. He has received numerous records of praise from colleagues, external partners and victims of crime. One member of the public whose son had sadly died said, in a time when confidence in the police is at its all-time low, it's reassuring that there are people who have dedication, compassion and commitment in dealing with incidents of a sensitive nature. Jake is a credit to the force. The decision to leave interest rates on pause may help to boost housing market confidence, but experts have warned that households could face another tough year ahead as budgets remain squeezed. The Bank of England base rate was held at 5.25% on Thursday. In September, the bank also kept rates unchanged at 5.25%, which had been the first hold decision for nearly two years after 14 hikes in a row. Andrew Hagger, a personal finance expert from Moneycom, said, the monthly hikes in base rate may have stalled, but the cost of living squeeze hasn't gone away. Increased energy costs, higher prices at the pumps and soaring mortgage rates mean there's little respite for the household budget at the moment. Many people will have to tighten their belts this Christmas. 
but will be hoping that 2024 is less, less harsh on their bank balance. However, any rate reductions will be slow and steady, so it's likely to be another tough year ahead. Alistair Douglas, CEO of website Totally Money said, buy now, pay later, BNPL, has boomed. Earlier this week, the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA, said an estimated 14 million adults across the UK used BNPL payment options at least once in the six months leading up to January 2023. The FCA said its research indicated that frequent users of BNPL tended to be more likely to be in financial difficulty, such as having rising debts or missed bill payments. Estate agents may be hoping that the continued freeze on interest rates and the impact for mortgages could help to inject more confidence into the housing market. Figures from Nationwide Building Society this week showed that UK house prices rose by 0.9% on average month on month in October, but were 3.3% lower when compared with October last year. Rachel Springall, a finance expert at moneyfactscompare.co.uk said if the house prices fall in the coming months, mortgage borrowers could have more chance to find an affordable property. But she cautioned, however aspiring first-time buyers will be, disheartened to see the average cost of rent is rising, which hampers their disposable income and their chances to maximise saving for a deposit to get a foot on the property ladder. Martin Lewis is urging Chancellor Jeremy Hunt to use his autumn statement later this month to overhaul unfair aspects of lifetime ISAs, which are often used by first-time buyers to get on the property ladder. The MoneySavingExpert.com founder and chair argued that young savers should not be essentially fined and lose their hard-saved cash when they buy homes above the scheme's £450,000 limit. With house prices having surged over the years, particularly during the race for space during the coronavirus pandemic, more people could potentially be at risk than when lifetime ISAs, also known as LISAs, launched in 2017. LISAs are designed to help people aged 18 to 39 buy their first home or to save for retirement. They can put in up to £4,000 a year. The government will add a 25% bonus to people's savings, up to a maximum of £1,000 per year. Those buying above the current £450,000 maximum, who withdraw their deposit from a LISA, may only get back £937.50 per £1,000 that they saved, money-saving experts said. This is because, in practice, LISA savers get the 25% added soon after their funds go into the account. So, for example, each £1,000 becomes £1,250. But if savers withdraw their money for reasons other than buying a qualifying property before they are age 60, they could face a 25% withdrawal penalty, which reduces each £1,250 to £937.50 ignoring any interest built up. MoneySavingExpert.com said the government should allow savers using LISA money to buy a home that's over the limit to withdraw it without penalty immediately. In the longer term, the Consumer Help website would like to see the £450,000 LISA limit raised to catch up with average property price growth and then index link the threshold to house prices thereafter. Mr Lewis said... There are rumours the Chancellor is looking to introduce new incentives to help first-time buyers, yet the first port of call should be to fix the unfair scheme that's currently in play. So I have formally contacted the Chancellor to urge him to make the system fairer. The simple solution, which could be put into immediate effect, is for a LISA holder purchasing a first-time property for more than the maximum house price not to be fined. So they would lose the government's 25% bonus but they get their own money and interest back. The Coram Borough Council has announced an investment of £116,000 into revamping two tennis courts in Hemel Hempstead. 
In total, two park tennis venues will be renovated and reopened to the public on completion. Wreath Fields in Aidy Field and Coronation Fields in Bennett's End have been chosen for the upgrade. Refurbishment works were set to start in early November at Wreath Fields. Work at Coronation Fields will begin in January 2024. Current projections state that the courts will be reopened by spring of next year. Decorum Borough Council's announcement is part of a larger national campaign organised by the Government and the Lawn Tennis Association, LTA. The Government is financially backing the sporting body to refurbish public tennis courts across the country. It is hoped that more people will pick up the sport if more public courts are made available to the public. Thousands of existing tennis courts are due to be improved as a result of the plan. Many of the courts earmarked for a revamp are in poor or unplayable condition. Some courts will gain new gate access technology and booking systems. Tennis courts in parks are especially important when it comes to encouraging more people from lower socio-economic backgrounds to play the game, which is typically associated with wealthier households. Decorum Borough Council is pledging to offer weekly free park sessions for all ages, playing levels and experience where equipment is provided. Councillor Sharon Wilkie said, we are excited to be partnering with the LTA to invest in the refurbishment of these park tennis courts. Tennis is a great way to get active and have fun and we want to make sure that everyone in Hemel Hempstead has the opportunity to play. These courts will be a valuable asset to our community and we look forward to seeing people using them from the spring of 2024 onwards. Julie Porter, Chief Operating Officer at the LTA added, we are delighted to be working with Decorum Borough Council to improve their park tennis facilities and provide more opportunities for anyone to pick up a racket and get active. Councillors in Decorum have agreed to slash the number of new homes proposed on Greenbelt land in Chiltern towns and villages. But with slower growth in Berkhamsted, Tring and the surrounding villages, Hemel Hempstead could take more new homes than the authority originally planned. At a meeting, councillors agreed to ask residents what they think about the proposals, one of several consultations which Decorum Borough Council is holding as part of the plan-making process. In a previous draft local plan, Decorum Borough Council proposed setting aside land for 16,899 new homes between 2020 and 2028, around 940 new homes per year for 18 years. The new draft proposes 14,345 new homes between 2024 and 2040, or roughly 900 new homes per year for 16 years. The proposals have taken into account concerns over loss of greenbelt in the Chilterns. This new figure falls short of the government target of 1,018 homes per year until 2040. On Decorum's draft local plan, Council Leader Ron Tyndall said, We have considered what the number would be under the government target. We have come to the conclusion that we should agree the figure of around 900 homes per year. Whether the construction industry has the capacity to meet this target, let alone the government target, is questionable. We can justify the lower figure because of the amount of greenbelt we have and that we have done our best to use our brownfield sites first. While the proposed number of new homes has decreased overall, Hemel Hempstead is set for 11,742 homes, 9% more than the 10,688 previously proposed. A report notes that the last local plan consultation found that targets from the government calculation inflated the borough's housing target. The method did not adequately consider the borough's constraints such as the Chilterns area of outstanding natural beauty, the report reads. It adds respondents feared the authority had not done enough to consider where houses could go on urban or brownfield land. The Coram Borough Council officers wrote, additional opportunities have been identified at Hemel Hempstead, with capacity for around 500 additional homes to be delivered in the town centre and in Two Waters or Apsley. 
No major brownfield opportunities have been identified in the other key settlements, including at Berkhampstead and Tring. Conservative group leader councillor Andrew Williams, despite the new proposals, agreed it would be a challenge to achieve the number of new homes proposed by 2040. He said, there are challenges we need to square. For example, we have concerns about the number of homes going in Hemel Hempstead. And this week in history, November the 9th, 1953, Welsh poet Dylan Thomas died aged 39 after falling into an alcoholic coma following the consumption of 18 stiff whiskies. November the 10th, 1871, Henry Morton Stanley, sent to Africa by his newspaper to find Scottish missionary David Livingstone, finally made contact with him on Lake Tanganyika with the words, Dr Livingstone, I presume. On this day last year, the annual John Lewis Christmas advert was released, starring a man painfully learning to master a skateboard as he awaits the arrival of a young teenager his family is taking into foster care. November the 11th, 1987, Van Gogh's irises fetched £29.3 million in New York. On this day last year, on Armistice Day, hundreds of knitted poppies were used as part of incredible displays across different hospitals to pay respect for those who served and sacrificed their lives as part of the armed forces. November the 12th, 1990, Crown Prince Akahito was formally installed as Emperor Akahito of J Japan, becoming the 125th Japanese monarch. On this day last year, television presenter and author Baroness Floella Benjamin was among six leading figures chosen by the late Queen to become members of the Order of Merit and appointed by the King. November the 13th, 1941, HMS Ark Royal was torpedoed by a German U-boat and sank the next day. Plans to turn part of an historical Oldbury pub into a farm shop have been turned down by Decorum Borough Council. The Valiant Trooper is an old alehouse which dates back to the 1500s, rumoured to be where the Duke of Wellington talked tactics with his troops. Its owner has plans to turn the building's stable wing, including a restaurant, into a farm shop and kitchen or food prep area. But Decorum Borough Council has turned down the request for planning permission after it received objections from neighbours. Fearing their local would disappear, villagers set up a campaign page on Facebook to save the valiant trooper Oldbury as a public house. The developers argued the move would bring more business to the venue. They told Decorum Borough Council the application is looking to maximise the offering to a wider audience within the community. Diversifying its offering will attract new business from existing pub customers and also new business from a different demographic, thus providing an additional revenue stream. This will not affect the present use of the site, which offers food and beverages. The applicant has made substantial investment, refurbishing the building, securing its future as a public house. It's now on a par with some of the best pubs in the area. The Trooper is now a go-to destination. Common sense must apply here. The change of use to provide a farm shop in Delhi can only enhance the site's viability. But campaigners commissioned their own viability report to review the business's economic sustainability. It reads, The applicant's proposal for a future business relies too heavily on the outside area of the public house and the success of the farm shop in Delhi without a full business proposal. The valiant trooper remains economically viable and it should retain the restaurant. And continuing this planning matter, the Chiltern Society also lodged an objection because the application did not take enough details, including parking and the layout of the deli or farm shop. According to documents handed to Decorum Borough Council, as part of past planning applications, the Grade 2 listed building was formerly known as the Royal Oak. Its name changed to the Trooper Alehouse in 1803, rumoured to be because the Duke of Wellington met his troops there to talk tactics, becoming the Valiant Trooper in 1878. 
Summing up its decision, council officers said the proposal was acceptable in principle and would not cause harm to the character of Albury and the surrounding area. However, it adds, insufficient information has been submitted to satisfactorily demonstrate that there would be no harm to the viability of the Valiant Trooper as a pub, which could result in the potential loss of social infrastructure considered important to the community. Furthermore, the proposals fail to demonstrate there would be sufficient on-site parking provision and servicing arrangements to serve the uses that would not result in overspill parking to the detriment of highway safety and residential amenity. A comment from a Gazette regular, Blaze Tap. Anybody who, like me, is reliant on Radio 2 to get them through the most difficult parts of the week can't have failed to notice that a new record from the Beatles has just been released. I'm sure that listeners to other networks will have heard it too, but when your regular popular music fix is administered almost exclusively by Europe's most listened to radio station, there isn't much time for anything else. The build-up to the release of Now and Then, which was originally recorded as a grainy demo by John Lennon 45 years ago, has been salvaged by a combination of artificial intelligence and contributions from his surviving bandmates and was suitably breathless. After all, this is a band regarded by millions upon millions around the globe to be the greatest of them all that split up more than half a century ago. It was indeed a moment of music history. There was even more excitement after the first play of the single with a succession of DJs waxing lyrical about what the nation had just heard. But not everyone was as impressed. Sarah Cox arguably the most engaging radio presenter of the lot, cheerily asked one of her callers what he thought of now and then and was knocked off a stride when he said, it was all right, a bit slow. Of course, in trademark fashion, she made light of it, pulled his leg a bit and swiftly moved on. But this guy didn't play by the rules. And continuing that... To not gush about the Fab Four is akin to not speaking in hushed tones about our late Queen or publicly saying that Yorkshire pudding is nothing to write home about. But not everyone is a fan of their music, me included. For somebody who shares opinions as frequently as Dominic Cummings curses in documented WhatsApp messages, my indifference to Liverpool's favourite sons is something I tend to keep to myself. On the rare occasion that I have shared this view, it has either ended previously amicable conversations or provoked a look of disgust, like I just said that I find Nigel Farage to be warm and witty. The fact is that the Beatles have never been my thing, as their music didn't speak to me and always struck me as being of of a particular era. As early on as primary school, I much preferred the 60s sound of the Rolling Stones. Give me Let It Bleed over Revolver any day of the week. But to express this view publicly is to expose yourself to the wrath of others, some of whom suggest that if you didn't dig the works of John, Paul, George and Ringo, you're not cool. Sir Paul McCartney won't lose sleep over the fact that I, or for that matter a fair few others, don't go all misty-eyed whenever we hear the opening chords of Yesterday or Eleanor Rigby. He'll understand that music is all about personal choice and it's impossible for everyone to like everything that's ever been recorded. I've worked with people who can't understand why their colleagues don't love the music of David Bowie as much as they do or that they prefer New Order to Joy Division. Opinions are like backsides. We all have got them, but when it comes to music, there is a prevailing view that there are some artists that you are simply not allowed to criticise. I'd be the first to admit that my CD collection and online playlists wouldn't stand up to too much scrutiny from the music police. I'd be laughed out of town when they found out that Rod Stewart, David Gray and even Lionel Richie feature heavily. I'm at the age where I know that I'll never be cool or interesting and I don't need to impress anyone with what I'm listening to this week. Inseparable brother and sister duo Adam and Eve are looking for a new home. Cats Protection in Decorum are calling on families from the region and beyond to share their home with the adorable kittens. 
The six-month-old felines are described by the charity as full of love and fun. The team says they love being in people's company and are happy to play with their toys, especially when humans join in for as long as they can keep up. The duo are also partial to a good old-fashioned cuddle in the evening. They'd be happier in a family environment with older children. Naturally, a garden to explore would be ideal once they'd completed their settling-in period away from main roads. They're neutered and chipped and their flea treatment is up to date, but they would need their vaccinations done on adoption. If you have space in your heart and home for Adam and Eve, then visit the Cat Protection website or call 0345-371-1851. In 2022, 42 cats and kittens cared for by the branch were rehomed, 20 were rehomed through their supportive home-to-home scheme, and over 300 locally owned cats were neutered via our, their discount scheme. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any other news. Recommendations for a national plan to improve eye care services across the UK will be presented to MPs in Parliament next month. The Macular Society will join the Eyes Have It partnership in Westminster in December to discuss the proposals which aim to reduce waiting lists and improve the overall eye health of the nation. In August 2023, more than 640,000 people were waiting for specialist eye treatment in England, with nearly 20,000 people enduring year-long waits. The Eyes Have It, a partnership of Roach, Fight for Sight Vision Foundation, the Macular Society, the Royal College of Ophthalmologists, the Association of Optometrists and the RNIB believes immediate action is needed to address the capacity crisis facing ophthalmology. A plan for a national eye care strategy which promises to transform eye care in the UK will be unveiled at the event, which will be hosted by Marsha de Cordova MP. As well as engaging politicians in discussions about policy changes needed to ensure sustainable improvements in eye care, the event will give MPs a chance to understand issues specific to their regions. Westminster Eye Health Day will take place on Monday 11th of December 2023 from 2pm 2 to 4.30pm. A programme of entertaining weekly calls returns this winter to bring comfort and friendship straight to your home during the long cold nights. The Macula Society's Winter Warmers is set for its fourth year in a row, with a number of talks and group performances lined up in the lead up to Christmas and continuing into the start of the new year. This year's speakers range from record-breaking English Channel swimmer Sean Williams to bomb disposal officer and author Lucy Lewis. There will also be a talk on British wild plants and the Danoon players will return with their take on a Charles Dickens festive, festive classic, A Christmassy Carol. The first of the hour-long weekly calls started at 6pm on Wednesday the 1st of November and will take place every Wednesday apart from the 27th of December through to the 28th of February between 6 and 7pm. Everyone is welcome to join the calls each week. If you'd like to join, email winterwarmers at maculasociety.org or call the group's admin team on 01264 560259 to, to register your interest in advance. The team will then confirm your space and provide details on how to join. The obituaries in the Gazette this week are Peter Koneran died peacefully on Tuesday the 17th of October, aged 87. His funeral will take place at Beerton Crematorium, Tuesday the 21st of November at 2pm. And Muriel Rose Wager sadly passed away at home on the 22nd of October. The funeral will be held on the 16th of November at 10am, followed by burial at Woodwell Cemetery at 11.15am. May they both rest in peace. And there are two trustee notices this week. 
Any persons having a claim against or an interest in the estate of Valerie Fern Ray, late of 22 Peters Place, North Church, Berkhamsted, who died on 20th of November 2022, are required to send written particulars to Harrowell and Atkins, Boxwell House, 275 High Street, Berkhamsted, HP4, 1BW on or before the 9th of January 2024. Any persons having a claim against or an interest in the estate of Peter Selby Keyes, late of 26 Fennycroft Road, Hemel Hempstead, who died on the 12th of March 2023, are required to send written particulars to Connor Barnard care of cooperative legal services limited 650 aztec west almondsbury bristol bs 32 4sd reference k l oblique 636-8820-p oblique keys on or before the 9th of January 2024. Films at the cinema this week include A Forgotten Man plus Q&A session, a drama, Anatomy of a Fool, a drama, Dream Scenario, a comedy horror, The Marvels, an action movie, Bottoms, a comedy, The Royal Hotel, a drama, Five Nights at Freddy's, a horror, Killers of the Flower Moon, a drama, The Great Escaper, a drama, A Haunting in Venice, a drama. All popular films are provided to cinemas with an audio description track. Please mention your requirements at the time of booking. And music. On the 12th of November at St Saviour's Church in St Albans, the St Albans Symphony Orchestra Family Concert. This year's theme is On the Sea. Nine short pieces or extracts from longer works will be introduced. To book, visit ticketssource.co.uk. On Thursday the 16th of November at 8pm at Tring Rugby Club, the Guy Tortora Band plus Tizak and Tortora. To book, visit bluesbartring.co.uk. And on Saturday, the 18th of November at 8 pm in the Civic Centre, Berkhamstead, the Big Band Swing. To book, visit bjazz.org. And now a couple of future dates for your diary. On Saturday the 25th of November there is the Tring Together Christmas Festival in Tring High Street in the Victoria Hall from 3.30 to 8.30pm with stalls, funfair and music, special guests in the memorial gardens and music stages around the town to showcase local performers. For more information visit tringtogether, that's all one word, .org.uk. And on Sunday the 26th of November there is the Berkhamsted Festival of Light on Berkhamsted High Street from 3.30 to 6pm. And that has entertainment from local musicians, stalls, fairground rides, best dressed shop window competition and Santa and the Elves posting house in the Civic Centre. For more information visit Berkhamsted Town Council, again all one word, .gov.uk. And some County Council news. Senior staff at Hertfordshire County Council are to receive a 3.88% pay increase with lower paid staff set to get an increase of £1,925. Increases for the majority of the County Council's 8,000 staff are determined nationally through the National Joint Council, the NJC. But for heads of service, directors, executive directors and the chief executive, salaries are determined by the council's employment committee. 
On Thursday, November 2nd, the Five Strong Employment Committee met to determine whether to increase the salaries of the Council's most senior staff by a fixed sum of £1,925 or by 3.88%. Last year, 2022-23, all council staff, including the most senior, were awarded a fixed increase of £1,925. But at Thursday's meeting, they opted to increase the salaries of the council's most senior staff, numbering about 200, for 2023-24 by 3.88%. For an executive director at the top of the council's pay scale, with a salary in excess of 180,000, that could be equivalent to a pay rise of around 7,000 pounds. At the meeting, Liberal Democrat Council Councillor Sally Symington and Labour Councillor Nigel Bell suggested the council opt for the fixed sum of 1,925 pounds for the senior roles. That would, depending on role and salary, have been equivalent to a pay increase of between 1 and 3%. Councillor Symington said that imposing a fixed increase would then be consistent across the whole organisation. And she said it would benefit people who were the lowest paid to the greatest extent. But leader of the council, Conservative Councillor Richard Roberts, suggested that approach which the council took last year, may be setting the council up for trouble. At the meeting, councillors were told that Essex County Council had already awarded a 4% salary increase for senior roles and Norfolk County Council had agreed 3.88%. And comparative salaries from neighbouring authorities were also highlighted. Councillor Roberts stressed that the senior team was no more or less important than anybody else, and that pay was not always the main driver in people opting to work for Hertfordshire County Council. But he suggested that there was a risk that salaries were falling behind, and he suggested that the 3.88% option seemed to be in line with other authorities. I think we could get ourselves really into quite some serious trouble if our senior team starts to feel undervalued, he said. More than 16,000 extra potholes have been repaired on roads across Hertfordshire in the past few months. Earlier this year, the government awarded the County Council almost £3.95 million from the National Potholes Fund. Since then, thousands of lower priority potholes on the county's roads that would not usually meet the council's criteria of pothole have been repaired. On Thursday, November the 2nd, at a meeting of the council's highways and transport cabinet panel, councils heard that 16,500 of these potholes had already been repaired as a result of the government funding. That, they were told, was in addition to the more serious Category 1 potholes that would have been repaired anyway, and the work was ongoing. In a typical year, it was reported the Council would repair around 20,000 potholes in Hertfordshire, but with the additional funds by the end of this year, they expect to double that figure to 40,000. It was reported to councillors that last winter, 2022-23, roads had suffered exceptional damage as a result of challenging weather conditions due to snow and ice followed by heavy rainfall. At the meeting, Head of Highways Operations Chrissy Jacks said that following those really challenging conditions of the winter period, it had been decided that the Council's £3.9 million allocation should be ploughed into potholes. And she said that it had also been decided that these funds should focus on lower priority defects that wouldn't usually meet the council's criteria of pothole. With some of the country's largest county councils, including Hertfordshire, forecasting 2023-24 overspends, the County Council Network is calling for emergency funding for children's services nationally. 
In September, Hertfordshire County Council signalled that it was heading for a £16.4 million overspend by the end of 2023-24. And now research by the County Council Network, the CCN, has revealed Hertfordshire is far from alone. With a survey of 41 county and unitary councils predicting a collective overspend in excess of £600 million. One in ten of these councils say the CCN are unsure or not confident that they can balance their budget this year. And they point to high inflation, rising demand and broken provider markets for children in care leading to high overspends. In a bid to reduce its own spending, the Hertfordshire County Council has already introduced a policy of recruitment prioritisation, freezing recruitment to all but essential roles. And they have earmarked a further £10 million from their contingency budgets that could be used to plug the gap if necessary. Responding to the CCN research, leader of Hearts County Council, Councillor Richard Roberts has acknowledged the council's financial pressures, but he says that the council is now in a good place to balance the budget this year. This research confirms what we in Hertfordshire have known for a long time. Mm -hmm. High inflation and increasing demand for children's services are placing an enormous strain on council finances across the nation, said Councillor Roberts. We are seeing the financial pressures mentioned by CCN borne out across our balance sheet, but thanks to our prudent financial planning and a range of savings, we are in a good place to balance our budget this year. We remain committed to protecting the most vulnerable in our communities, but know that without reform and the creation of affordable provision nationally across children's services, particularly for those with special educational needs and disabilities, the pressures will continue and get worse. The County Council Network is a cross-party organisation representing 20 county councils and 17 unitary councils. Are you an only child? In the UK, not having any brothers or sisters is becoming more common. Experts predict that over half of the country's families will be one-child families in the coming years, and an increasing number of grown-ups are choosing not to have children at all. If there are fewer kids, what does that mean for the future? Well, first, what's an ageing population? Let's say you visited a country and asked every person how old they are. You'd then be able to work out that country's average age. In the UK, it's around 40 years old. If lots more babies are born, the average age might become younger. However, when fewer babies are born and grown-ups live longer, the average age becomes older. In the UK, people aged 65 currently outnumber people aged 15 or younger. If the country's average age increases to 41, it means we have an ageing population. Now let's look at Japan and China. Japan has the world's oldest population. Almost a third of its 125 million people are over 65, with one in 10 aged over 80. More than 2 million babies were born each year in the 1970s, but last year it was under 800,000, the lowest number since records began in the 1800s. Hospitals in China are closing birth units, as the number of babies born there has almost halved since 2016. A doctor at a hospital in the city of Harbin told local media In the past, the number of births might have been seven, eight, ten in a day. Now, if there's one a day, that's great. And why is this happening? In many countries, life expectancy, how long people are expected to live, is increasing, which is great. At the same time, though, fewer people are choosing to have kids. It could be that they feel they are just too busy or would like to focus on their career. The cost of living is a factor too. Grown-ups might feel they can't afford to have children. Lower birth rates are also linked to wealthier countries with better birth control products, which help to put people in control of when they have babies. Why is it a problem? Japan is on track to have fewer people aged 20 to 60 than people aged over 60 by 2050. 
If grown-ups aren't producing enough children to look after them when they get old, it could lead to serious problems. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida says, Japan is standing on the verge of whether we can continue to function as a society. It's a similar situation in China. On top of this, lots of grown-ups in China are an only child, so they don't have any brothers or sisters to ask for help to support their retired parents and grandparents. This means they're too busy to have children of their own. Now for some local football news. Brad Quinton says he was disappointed with his Hemel Hempstead Town side's second half performance as they fell to high-flying Avely on Monday night. The game in Essex was goalless until just after the hour mark when Sydney IB netted at the back post following a corner. Avely then got a second ten minutes later when Harry Gibbs headed home from a free kick. Joe Ayashifano slotted home a penalty with three minutes to go to reduce the arrears, then Josh Hill missed an opportunity to level things up in the dying seconds after Hemel goalkeeper Craig King had gone forward for a set-piece and flicked on George Williams's long throw. But ultimately, Quinton was left reflecting on what might have been. He said, I was disappointed with the second-half display. We spoke in depth about how they'll work for a corner or throw-in as they play to their strengths, and if you're not switched on at the back post, they will score a goal. This is what they've done well and why they find themselves where they are in the league. So flair play as they did what they needed to do. And in basketball news, Hemel Storm suited up twice at the weekend, facing Barking Abbey on Saturday and Bradford Dragons to conclude it. But it was a mixed performance as Storm picked up a convincing 102-63 win at home to Barking, but then an 80-70 loss on the road at Bradford to see their Kit King Trophy defence ended at the semi-final stage. Saturday's win fully entertained the Storm faithful, five players registering over 10 points and game time handed to everybody on the roster. Hakim Seiler top-scored with 21 points in a convincing display. Sunday, however, saw Storm fail to repeat a performance that saw them score 29 three-pointers in their previous encounter, and the home side's determination led them to victory, Sam Newman being Storm's top scorer with 18 points. Storm now turned their attention to the National Cup, with a home game against Teesside Lions on Sunday from 5.30pm tip-off. On Sunday the 12th of November, the annual Remembrance Parade will be taking place in Hemel Hempstead. The event is being organised in partnership with the Hemel Hempstead branch of the Royal British Legion. The parade will march through Hemel Hempstead Town Centre at around 10.30am and conclude at the War Memorial at St John's Church, Boxmoor, where wreaths will be laid followed by an outdoor service. Some roads surrounding Hemel Hempstead Town Centre will be closed from 10am to midday on the Sunday. These include the Plough Roundabout, Leighton Buzzard Road, Moor End Road, Waterhouse Street, Station Road, St John's Road, Park Road, Heath Lane, Cotterells and Vicarage Close. The Council apologises for any inconvenience this may cause. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 0714 and 1610. Don't forget, for those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you, wish to, if you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, play the Decorum Talking newspaper. For those who are listening to this week's news on Memory Stick, please remove your Memory Stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Andrew, your technician for this week. <laughs>